to just uh, welcome everyone. I know we've got uh, a lot of visitors with us today, family, friends, and so a special welcome to Bethesda Church this morning. Today we're going to talk about Savior, the fact that we needed a Savior, and in Luke chapter 2, verse 11 says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. As I thought about this aspect of Jesus coming to be our Savior, there was a, a, a different thought that I had that I hadn't really thought about in depth like I did this year. And that was the sacrifice that, if the PowerPoint is going to work, there we go, the sacrifice to become our Savior. If we look in... John 1.14, we see the sacrifice of taking on flesh. He says in John 1.14, the word became flesh. We use the word sacrifice a lot when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross. It's very familiar language. We say he sacrificed, he took on sin, he died on the cross. But I want us to think for a moment this morning about the sacrifice of taking on flesh. There really is no analogy to describe it as I think about it, but I'm going to attempt to give a little analogy. There's no analogy even close to this. This doesn't even really work, but it's the best I can do to help us think about what Jesus reduced himself to. And it would be like a human being becoming an ant, but not just an ant, becoming a baby ant in the womb of an ant, mama. <laughs> and being in that womb, I know ants don't live as long. I didn't look up how long ants are pregnant or anything, but let's say the ant is pregnant for nine months. Okay? And then delivered, and then that ant lives for 33 years among people, among the ant world. Because the ant has such a heart to reach the other ants and communicate that message to the other ants. That's what Jesus did for us, except he's the one who created all of this. He created everything. And he becomes this tiny little person in the flesh. So he reduces himself. You talk about humility and you talk about patience. He could have come as an adult a grown, full-grown adult and say, you know what, I'm going to go down there for a week or two and just communicate a message and I'm going back to heaven. <laughs> but he didn't do that. Not for a week or two, for 33 years he came in the flesh. And somehow if we could possibly grasp the sacrifice of him becoming flesh, it's an amazing thought. And I'm still trying to process that. There's no way we can possibly get our minds around that idea. The second aspect I want us to see about sacrifice, not just the sacrifice of taking on flesh, but there's another sacrifice he made too in becoming flesh. And that is this. Oops. It's not working too good. There we go. The sacrifice of choosing to live with us choosing to live with us. You know, one of the scariest parts of marriage, 
right, is you're going to live with that person the rest of your life. <laughs> it's kind of scary. You're like, oh, I'm going to live with this person the rest of my life. That's kind of scary. Um, Will that really work? And a lot of people are like, you know, when they first get married, it's like, baby, I can't imagine not being with you for the rest of my life. And then 10 years later, it's like, baby, how am I going to make it the next 10? Right? I mean, that's why Proverbs says, better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. You know, there's verses in there that kind of tell us about that. And there is a sense of sacrifice in marriage, too, isn't there? But imagine the sacrifice of Jesus choosing to live with us, the horribleness of taking on flesh in the idea that our Savior knew us. He knows about our selfishness. He knows about our jealousy, our envy, our hatred, our spitefulness. He knows about all of that, and yet he chooses to come and live among us. People that don't get along, that hate each other, that kill one another. And yet, he comes to live among us. There's a place on the eastern edge of Cairo, Egypt, just east of Egypt, uh, Cairo, Egypt, where 15 million, uh, of course, Cairo has about 15 million plus people. But just east of Cairo is a place called Garbage City. And it's called Garbage City because that's what it is. It's full of garbage. Everywhere you walk, there's garbage. In fact, I've got a couple pictures. Here's a picture of Garbage City. Pickup trucks are loaded with garbage. And you know, they don't really care if the garbage falls out of the pickup onto the street because the streets are full of garbage. It's a slum area where thousands of people live. And this is what they live with. Piled up, even in the buildings, there's garbage everywhere. Piled high. You can be walking down the street, you could either see a can, a dead cat, or rotten food. I mean, that's what Garbage City is all about. It's a horrible place. And not only that, you know where there's a lot of garbage? Do you know what it smells like? Not very pleasant. And if you were to walk into Garbage City, you would not walk out the same. You know why? Because you would have that stench sticking to your skin and your hair. It would absolutely, you would take part of the garbage with you because you would smell like garbage. Now, think about this. Jesus came to Garbage City. Came to this earth, did he not? Garbage City, full of sin. He comes to this earth to take on flesh, to be a sacrifice for sin. Notice in this picture, there's no greenery, there's no growth in Garbage City. The streets are compressed garbage. Our Savior came to live with us in Garbage City because we needed a Savior. There is incredible sin, there's incredible hurt, there's incredible pain, there's incredible sorrow in Garbage City, is there not? I know I live in Garbage City because if you go to Rwanda and you walk through certain places in Rwanda, you will be walking on skulls 
that are still there from the ethnic cleansing that happened a number of years ago. I know I live in Garbage City. I know I live in Garbage City because there was a shooting that killed 58 people in Las Vegas and injured over 500 other people because we live in Garbage City. I know I live in Garbage City because a number of years ago there was a high school in Colorado where a number of students went to school and they did not come home because two teenagers shot a bunch of the kids. Garbage city. That's where we live. I have also heard stories of women who have had facial bones rearranged by a man who claimed to be a Christian husband. Garbage city. I know I live in Garbage City because women are married to men who are addicted to pornography, alcohol, or drugs. We live in Garbage City. I know I live in Garbage City because of stories of children who are abused by people who should be protecting them. Garbage City. Jesus came as a savior to Garbage City. Otherwise, there would be no hope for Garbage City. We not only are surrounded by garbage, but we create our own garbage as well. Some of us hide behind addictions because we have suffered tremendous hurt and pain and we use the addiction to numb our pain. The difficulty with garbage is it's contagious. If you're around it all the time, it's easy for it to infiltrate our lives. Diane Langberg, in her book, Talking About Suffering in the Heart of God, she says the danger of seeing and sitting with so much garbage is that we can't see beauty anymore. It's hard to see two realities at the same time, the reality of garbage and the reality of beauty. Garbage can be overwhelming. Making beauty out of garbage does not seem possible. So how is it done? And how do we assist other people to make beauty out of garbage without becoming garbage ourselves? God sent a savior to Garbage City. He sent this savior at an appointed time. It says in Galatians 4.4, 4, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The cultural climate was ripe for a savior to be born. There was a common language that came. It's called Hellenistic or Koine Greek language, which was the common language of the people. Prior, three, three centuries prior to the birth of Christ, when Alexander the Great was doing all his conquests and conquering lands and doing all these things, he was instrumental in getting a common language. And it's called an everyday language that people used in wills and shopping grocery lists and all kinds of things. It was a common language. Now, you think in terms of communicating a message about a Savior being born, 
it's pretty crucial that you have some way to communicate that message. And you do it through language. And God was interested in having a common language. He worked through all those things to have a common language among the people. I mean, there was grammar and pronunciation of words and all those things were an instrumental in the birth of Christ when he would be born so that you and I could understand. And even today we have missionaries who are learning different languages to communicate now the gospel of Christ. Studies in Greek papyri found over the last hundred years have shown that this language was the language of everyday people in private letters, receipts, writing of wills, and and shopping lists. So there are a couple things we can learn from this. In the fullness of time, God sent his son, and part of that fullness was a universal language. No matter where Paul traveled, he could be understood as he preached the gospel. But there's another lesson, maybe a little bit closer, and that is this. The common language was used to communicate the gospel, most importantly. The second aspect of the fullness of time was the developed roadways. The Romans had, over a period of 700 years, constructed 55,000 miles of roadway. They, the roads were crowned. Actually, I got a picture here for you a little bit. This is a Roman road. Now, these Roman roads are 2,000 plus years old. Ours don't last that long. Maybe we should take a lesson from them. Yeah, they're a little more bumpy, obviously, because they're made of block. They got sand and gravel. They have many, many layers. They're crowned in the middle, and they had ditches on the side for drainage. But this, these were essential for Romans to be able to travel from one part of the Roman Empire to another. Because doing that, uh, they could move their military quickly uh, to protect people. They also had guard stations along the way. They had places, uh, Bob would appreciate this, they even had places where you could exchange your horse for a fresh horse. Go 10 miles, get a new horse, you know, and keep going. Uh, The whole aspect, though, was for communication purposes, too. You could go from one point to another point quickly and communicate a message. They didn't have internet. They didn't have Twitter and all the stuff that we have, Facebook. And so this was a way that they could quickly spread the word, especially about the gospel. God used the Romans to prepare the world for the birth of our Savior. They were easy to navigate. They had mile markers even along the roads. Um, They had state-run hotels even and stations along the way. And they were patrolled uh, to protect the passengers from thieves and robbers. They had guards on duty to protect. So what am I saying here? Our Savior loves Garbage City. He loves Garbage City. Which means he loves me and he loves you. How do we know that God loves us? Well, let's look at this verse. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. How do we communicate our love at Christmas? We give gifts to one another to communicate our love. What did God give us? The best gift 
we could ever be given. To come to Garbage City because he loved me, he wanted to be with me and show me the way to heaven. To show me the way to have a personal relationship with him. To show me how to deal with my garbage in my life so that my life could be cleaned and cleansed by the blood of Christ. This is how God showed his love. You know, when you look at the five love languages, it talks about quality time. Came here for 33 years. <laughs> he spent time on the earth. Talks about giving meaningful gifts. Talks about acts of service. God did all kinds of miracles. All those things that God did to show us his love. Meaningful touch. He touched a lot of people to show his love. How can we possibly comprehend the love of God? Again, I'm going to try in just a, a faint way. In 1920, there was a man named Edward Cosner. He had a nine-year-old nephew, Milton Serrata. He coined the term Google, but spelled this way. Google is 10 to the 100th power. It's a large number. And then there was another mathematician who came along and he decided, Let's, well, we can go a little bit further and we can go with Googleplex. 10 to the power of Google. <laughs> they said if you were to write this number down on paper, there would not be enough paper in the universe to get the number on paper. Let's just say it's a big number. <laughs> if we were to try to write down and comprehend the love of our Savior who came for us, the earth would not contain it. It would not. It would be Googleplex times Googleplex times Googleplex. It would be impossible to measure the love of God if we tried to measure it. They say that in Googleplex, there, there's, it's, it's greater than the number of atoms in our world, <laughs> the number of particles in our world. That's how much God loves us. But here's the problem. When we live among garbage and we feel like garbage and we feel valueless and worthless, why would God do that for me? It's called grace. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. The word became flesh, the Bible says, became flesh, the sacrifice, taking on flesh, the sacrifice of coming to where we are, coming to earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. He comes to us to tell us the truth about our sin, but we don't have to live in garbage city with that garbage in our lives, God came to take that garbage out of our lives. And I don't care what you've been through, I don't care how many hurts, habits, or hang-ups you have, how many addictions you have, how many relationships you have, it doesn't matter. God came for garbage to deliver us. That's the message of Christmas. He came to deliver us. You see, 
our Savior came, recognized that Garbage City was under a curse. That curse is mentioned in Genesis. He said that women would have child pain in childbirth. That's part of the curse of sin, of living in Garbage City, that women would have pain in childbirth, part of the curse of sin. He said that men would have to work by the sweat of their brow because the ground would be cursed. That curse is the result of sin. That's why we live in Garbage City. This curse was extended to the whole earth. But now there's a twist. There's a surprising aspect to this place called Garbage City, east of Cairo. You can find beauty there as well. If you walk into this city and you pass the valley of incinerating garbage, you will come to a clean place with white walls and concrete floors. There you will see a room with woven handbags, rugs, and placemats are displayed. Hanging on the walls of another room are quilted wall hangings, comforters and pillow comforters. Women are there sorting rags according to color and placing them in different baskets. Others work at two looms to create beauty out of garbage. There's a Coptic church in the garbage community that began as a Sunday school about a little over 20 years ago. And as you walk through Garbage City and up the mountain alongside the chirping rats that scurry about you, you will enter one of two cave churches built on this mountain. The larger cave seats 10,000 people. It rivals the Red Rock Amphitheater in Colorado. Thousands of people gather there, people whose lives are full of garbage, people who work with garbage, people who smell like garbage, for praise and preaching service. It is beauty in the midst of garbage. That's what the church is. That's what a redeemed community is. When we have received Jesus Christ as Savior in our lives and he takes the garbage out of our lives, we can live in Garbage City and we can bring joy and peace and hope and a message of salvation. And notice it says in the scripture when it talked about Jesus coming to bring good news, he says the, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. Beauty how beautiful are the feet that walk through the garbage to bring us the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus has come to do that. Through God's love, our Savior is able to transform garbage into beauty. He is able to help addicts become clean. He is able to help abusers be made safe. He is able to restore marriages. He is able to take the unlovely and put love in their life like they've never known before. He is able to replace hate with joy because he comes to Garbage City to bring a gospel. He is able to deliver those in bondage and bring freedom to them. 
How does he make beauty out of garbage? The cross. Right up here. You see, the cross is a paradox in a sense because that's where the greatest amount of garbage was placed when Jesus came was when he hung on the cross all the garbage of the world was hanging on our Savior that's why he's called Savior he took all of the garbage on the cross on himself so that we could be free from garbage it's not, just, it's not just coming to church that changes me. It's understanding the sacrifice of the cross and what Jesus did for us. He took all the garbage on the cross. And yet the garbage, we see that in the cross and the way Jesus died. But you know what we also see? We see the beauty of the gospel on the cross. It's applied. That's why I say you see the garbage and the beauty. It's two realities in one on the cross. Because he brings hope to the hopeless. He brings help to the helpless. He brings salvation to those who are in bondage. The cross is a place of death and evil, decay and wrath. It's a place of darkness and thirst, rejection, abandonment. The cross is the personification of garbage. But who do we see there? Christ, our Savior. The beauty of God, the purity of God, the holiness of God, the infinite love of God on the cross. Garbage has been swallowed up in beauty. That's the power of the cross. Maybe you came in here today feeling like garbage. The cross has the answer to your garbage. It is at the cross where we gain hope for our garbage. It is at the cross where we can point others who can have their garbage removed. It is at the cross, the place of beauty. You see, our Savior redeems men through belief in Him. Apart from Christ, man will perish. To perish is to be lost. To perish is to be destroyed, to lose eternal life, to be condemned, to face judgment, to be separated from God. But God wants to deliver us from our garbage. And he says in 1 John 4, 14, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Diane Langberg puts this in her book in Revelation 21. I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to close with this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, garbage city, 
had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared, listen, as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Garbage utterly transformed. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, the people of Garbage City, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things. The old order of things, all garbage, has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? As you do, let me ask you, how are you doing with Garbage City? Do you realize that we are all living in Garbage City? But it's not hopeless. It's only hopeless if you don't have Christ. Because Christ came in the flesh to die on the cross and take all the garbage of your life and of my life on himself on the cross so that we could be forgiven. We cannot possibly comprehend God reducing himself to take on human flesh. There is no analogy. And we cannot possibly, with Google or Googleplex, possibly measure the love God has for his creation. He proved his love. The Bible says he demonstrated his love for us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, garbage, he died for us. Every person in this room... He loves with an infinite love. He loves you in your garbage, but he doesn't want you to stay in your garbage. He wants you to come out of your garbage. And he's giving you an invitation to accept the death of Jesus on the cross as payment for your garbage, your sin, so that you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't say start going to church. I didn't say give money to the church. I didn't say get baptized. I didn't say join the church. I said personal relationship with Jesus. That's what he wants with us. That's why he came in the flesh. Do you have a personal relationship with him? Is there pain in your life? Is there sorrow? Is there hopelessness? Will you accept the gift of salvation through Jesus. My cell phone number is on the back of the bulletin. You can talk to me today after the service, or you can call me on my cell phone and say, hey, I want to pray. I want to know how I can have this relationship with Jesus. Because you may be from out of town. You can still call me. 
We would love to walk with you through the scripture and show you how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. So please, talk to me today or call me on the phone. Say, how can I have this relationship with Jesus? We'll be glad to share that with you. So you can have the garbage of your life removed and be at peace with the Savior. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.